This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. T.O. Grey Hospital. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Join with me today are our special covert operatives, Amy Nelson and Richard Marquez. Amy, how are you doing today? Well, if I tell you, do I have to kill you? It's very top secret over here. Uh, no, you can tell me. Oh, well, I am in Vegas, so what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> so when you come to Vegas, I'll let you know how I'm doing. Okay, that's just for this one. You're not just going to do that going forward and never tell me how you're doing, right? Yeah, it's only because I'm with Section 31 right now. Oh, oh sh- <laughs> darn it. <laughs> that's all right. Secrets out. So, Richard, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, before we get into the topic today, we have some Babel Conference feedback. That was from episode 265, where we had Christopher D. Littlefield as a guest, and we talked about the episode Masks. Uh, So Amy, do you want to start with the first comment? Yes. So Show Up Mirza says, another great discussion by Team Earl Grey. Welcome and bravo to Christopher D. Littlefield as guest host this week. Oddly, I've always loved this episode. Maybe the fact that I was seven in 1994 and I thought any Star Trek was amazing. I really appreciated the points made about how the masks symbolize our own multifaceted psyches. The story is very abstract in theme, but the central ideas are nonetheless profound and worthy of serious reflection. Also, I believe Data started painting in 11001001 in the scene where Geordi is teaching Data how to paint in the observation lounge as Riker passes through and makes a snarky comment about how someday philosophers may be interested in a blind man teaching an android how to paint. Well, show up. Thank you so much for your comment. And yes, that was clear back way season season one. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally forgotten about that. So thank you for pointing that out. And really glad you enjoyed the discussion. And it's interesting that when you were seven, you thought everything in Star Trek was was amazing, but you can still appreciate all these points about the episode years later. So thanks for your comment. So William J. Jackson said, another excellent episode. I rewatched Mass last night or last week and loved every bit uh, every bit. Uh, 
except for the weird alt on alterations in the ship. Your insights maybe appreciate this one all the more. Well, excellent. Yeah, nice. thank you, William, for you know, actually rewatching along with us. That was great. Yeah, really appreciate that. And have we asked you what you think of masks before, Richard? Yeah. I, I'm not remembering. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of masks. Okay. I mean I like I mean I've said it before. I, I like the range that uh um Brent, Brent Spiner uh shows uh shows on there um on that episode. But f- I mean that's I mean that's it's an all right it's all right, mate. I mean that's that's probably okay. the the highlight of of it is the range of Brent Spiner, so yeah. Okay. So Christopher Baca says, I don't think this episode is as bad as people say it is. It does have the cool shot of the Enterprise and the Comet. Since the city was a data archive, it makes sense that data was affected since it could communicate with his positronic brain. Although you would think there would be built-in firewalls to prevent data from getting hacked. I didn't like it physically changing the Enterprise and then everything getting reset at the end. It should have been building the city on the holodeck and affecting the Enterprise computer systems. Again, no cybersecurity on the Enterprise, LOL. (laughs) So thanks for your comments, Christopher. I don't know, maybe I'm the only person that really likes the Enterprise being transformed in masks. Maybe that's just my thing. Yeah, I I think it is just you, Justin. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) it's just me. But but yeah, like actually, I appreciate all the feedback that we got because we did get a bunch of Babel conference feedback. We got some feedback on Twitter, people like rewatching it and wondering what they thought. And so it was it was really nice to get that response for an episode that usually I think people don't think too much about. Right. So, yeah. Chris Tribuzio writes, I think it's interesting that for as long as I've known, this was one of the worst episodes by fan votes. Your podcast on this episode has absolutely turned me 180 degrees and made me believe that this episode has a deeper meaning in all its parts. Well, thank you. And yeah, it is an episode that is maligned quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad we could talk about it. And, you know, a lot of people told us their appreciation of it or had some thoughts and comments. And that's always what we're looking for. So, Chris, glad that uh, it kind of turned you around. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and thank you for not saying turned you around 360 because that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, he'd be in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> Math Amy would not be happy. <laughs> um, or Amy would not be happy, actually. <laughs> All right, so for today's episode, as you may have guessed from our introduction, we're going to be talking about Section 31. Now... Section 31 never appeared in The Next Generation on screen, but we had an interesting suggestion for a show from uh, a show idea from listener Stefan Ringlein. So he wrote us last year and said, what would Section 31 have looked like if it was introduced in TNG? Which episodes might contain traces of Section 31, like the Pegasus? So I I think we've uh, held on to that idea for a bit, but... Um, I'm going to give a little bit more background on on Section 31, and it's certainly come up a lot more recently, uh, and we'll get to that as well. Um, But the main part of the discussion, we'll be talking about what would it have been like if it was introduced in TNG and episodes that might contain some traces of Section 31. So Section 31 first appeared in the DS9 Season 6 episode Inquisition, which aired in April of 1998. Uh, Section 31 appeared in two more episodes of DS9 Season 7, also in four episodes of Enterprise, 
uh, the movie Into Darkness, and three episodes of Discovery so far. Uh, Section 31 also has had six novels that have focused on it and also has appeared in the Enterprise post-series novels, and there was also a recent announcement of a Section 31 series starring Michelle Yeoh. So um, I think especially in DS9, Section 31 is presented as a secret and autonomous intelligence organization, um, but Starfleet Command does seem to have some sort of awareness of, of the organization. And I think there has been a lot of controversy since Section 31 was first induce, introduced about its place in Star Trek and a lot of debates recently about its, its use in Discovery. So I'll just say we might touch on some of these things, but really the focus today is how it might have been portrayed uh, in TNG or if there are hints of what Section 31 might have been in, in TNG. So we're going to get into probably a lot of what-ifs and speculation, but hopefully uh, you'll enjoy that. So I do think it's going to be a great conversation today, but if you're interested in hearing more uh, discussion about how Section 31 has been portrayed in Star Trek, I definitely recommend checking out a recent Warp 5 episode, number 179, uh, where author David Mack, who's written two Section 31 novels, uh, discussed Section 31. Um, and I'd also recommend you check out some recent episodes of our Discovery podcast, The Edge, uh, as it's been discussed, as it's appeared in several episodes so far. Um, it's also been covered on some of our other podcasts, especially our DS9 podcast, The Orb, and our books and comics podcast, Literary Treks. So I know that was a long introduction, but I wanted to make sure to give a little background and refer you to a couple of places if you're interested in finding out more about how it is portrayed in Star Trek, whereas we're mostly going to talk about what ifs, how it might have been portrayed, or things that we can infer. Um, actually, I wanted to start out um, by talking about our overall thoughts about Section 31 in Star Trek and you know any thoughts you might have about how you're approaching the topic today. So, uh, Amy, do you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, you know, Section 31 is definitely something that I think you have to be a pretty serious fan of Star Trek to even know what Section 31 is. I think it is not discussed a lot. I mean, when you consider the umpteen hundred, yeah. you know, podcasts. I actually did a math calculation. It's So far, it's been in 1.5% of Star Trek. Okay. So it's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're just a casual watcher and, you know, it's something that you would miss. And so it was interesting when this, you know, topic came up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to really think about, you know, what I know about Section 31. And in preparing, I did go back and watch uh, the DS9 Inquisition that you mentioned um, as being the first point of entrance into the Section 31 into Star Trek. And that really helped me to formulate. I thought of some uh, an example that I think Next Gen could have been related to because of that Inquisition episode. I definitely had pulled from my discovery knowledge because that is, you know, very current and, you know, I do a couple podcasts about it. So I made some connections there. Um, but as far as it's interesting to, you know, try and put it into TNG because next gen is so such a utopia society that we don't want to think about the underbelly of how we got there uh, what needs to be done? Um, does the ends 
outweigh the means of getting there. So it, it's interesting that they just seem so contrast to each other that I'm looking forward to this discussion. So I'm, I'm just curious, like overall, when Section 31 has appeared, have, have you enjoyed it? Has it bothered you? Like, what's your general feel about it? Does it depend maybe on the episode? Um, it's... I can see where it is. I'm not so naive to think that it's not necessary. Unfortunately, I hate saying that because you don't want it to be necessary. But in dealing with, in my experience with humans and human nature, and sometimes the evilness and the greed and the power hungry, that I do think that it is a necessary evil. Hmm. Okay. And uh, your thoughts, Richard? So, I absolutely love the Section 31 uh, story arc in all iterations that, it, uh, that it's come, uh, come to us. Um, and I... So, okay, so... I guess uh, I, I have a I have a group of friends that a lot of us talk about uh, Star Trek, and we talk about the dark side of Star Trek. And I'm talking about like, you know, what uh, what would could uh, could this uh, utopia exist without Section Thirty One? And the answer ultimately in this group is no, um, absolutely could not ever exist without Section Thirty One because you got to have someone to do the dirty work. It's just like with our own government. CIA, FBI, uh, DIA, you know, all the intelligence groups and everything. You got to have someone to be able to do the dirty stuff. Um, and I think that's what Section 31 ultimately is. And to not to go further into that conversation, because it's a really, really long conversation. It can be. Yeah. yeah no, it, it, no, it is. It's not can be. It is. Um, yeah. And it's been going for years. Um, but like... It's just, I mean, I like, I, I mean, I, I've, always, I've always been a fan of uh, government conspiracies. I've always been a fan of dark uh, projects and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just a hobby of mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but like, um, it's a, bringing it, bringing it, uh, Section 31 into, you know, I guess a, a dramaless, or at least that's what Gene Roddenberry wanted, um, a, a series I mean, it's it, it it actually it it stir, it stirs the pot quite a bit, and it creates so many interesting stories, and I absolutely mm -hmm. love it. So, um, yeah, uh, my overall th overall thoughts: I love the idea of Section Thirty One, um, and obviously my uh, approach is very positive. <laughs> okay, <All right. laughs> towards Section Thirty One. <laughs> <laughs> so let me give a f a few of my thoughts. I mean, I. I've thought it's very interesting since the first introduction in Deep Space Nine because it's it's kind of this point of of tension, and you see it in all the the DS Nine episodes. It's this point of tension with Bashir, who's very um, idealistic, and then Section Thirty One that's doing what they think is necessary. Now, the one thing I think that is a little bit different about Section Thirty One is they do seem like they're not very accountable the way that you would normally think an intelligence agency is is accountable and I think that's been been pretty controversial but I've always liked it because I think 
there's some really interesting storytelling possibilities and interesting kind of frictions and tensions and thinking about, you know, how far you're willing to go and what needs to, to happen in order to, to keep the society going. So um, I, I think I've always enjoyed the portrayal pretty much in all the iterations of, of Star Trek. So I think it's interesting to think about, okay, it was introduced in DS9. There are episodes of Enterprise that show it being there a couple centuries before. So it's around in the time of TNG. So um, I think there's going to be, again, two parts to the discussion. Let's go with the, the first part, which is what if Section 31 had been introduced in TNG? So not introduced in DS9, but introduced sometime in TNG. Like, what would that have looked like? Would it have looked like something different? Is there a certain character who might have interacted with them like Bashir did in DS9? Kind of just interested in thoughts on that. Do you want to go first, Amy? Yeah. Um, as I think about Section 31, and especially my knowledge with Discovery, like, Discovery is a unique ship, and I think the Enterprise D is a unique ship. The Enterprise D is the flagship of the Federation. So I don't see the Enterprise D being a Section 31 ship. I think it's out there to be the pretty face on the Federation. So if we were to see Section 31 in TNG, it would be an operative like Sloan, you know, coming on to uh, Deep Space Nine or, you know, it would be somebody coming onto the ship because I don't think that the ship would be running in any way, shape, oh, no. or form, type of Section 31. I, I don't think so. I think it would probably be some sort of operative that someone deals with. Either they're undercover on the ship or they meet them somewhere else or something. But are there any characters you think that it would might make sense for Section 31 to be interested in? Yes, I'm getting to yes. it. Yes, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to you know, point out that it wouldn't be the Enterprise D was my point. Yes, okay. And... Yeah. Um, I do believe, however, that Captain Picard would know about Section 31. Uh, it was interesting, you know, because I think special Starfleet captains would know. And I think because he is the captain of the flagship, like he would know of Section 31. I think he would be privy of their existence uh, whether he buys into it, I think that would be an interesting discussion to have because he is, as is portrayed, you know, such a huge diplomat and and wants to believe in humanity and trust the process and stuff like that. So um, I think that Picard would have known about it, probably Riker. Um, I don't know that Data would have known because his programming, he can't lie. So I, I'm sort of hesitant there, but I'm pretty sure that for sure Picard and Riker would know. Um, and then as far as anyone else involved, like maybe um, going to the engineer, going to Jordy, I think would be a logical step for me. Um, I think maybe with his visors, you know, we saw the Klingons alter his visor so they could, you know, see and get the stuff like that. So I think Jordy, I would put him in the Bashir spot like that. Interesting. So, so I think what you're saying is 
they're just aware of it for a while. It's not like they have some encounter like happens in DS9 season six where it's like, whoa, what is this thing that we've just encountered? Well, they definitely could. I mean, we don't see it on screen. I'm saying, it, yeah, I, if, you know, an operative came on board, Picard and probably Riker, in my opinion, would know about it and would sort of be like Cisco, just like, okay, we have to follow the directions and stuff like that and tell his crew, all right, I need you to fall in line and, you know. Okay. Uh, thoughts, Richard? Do you mean like Section 31 controlling the entire ship or are you talking about just an operative? It's your opinion. Well, no, he, what, you, what you, you asked the saying. question. That's yeah. why I'm asking that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is it just that they're aware of it or that Section 31, in, if they were introduced in TNG, is kind of pulling the strings a bit in what the Enterprise D does? So being the flagship of the Federation, I think at least two or three operatives would have been on there because of all places that you want to be, you want to be where the action's happening. And if that's the yeah. Enterprise D, then that's where you need to be. I mean... It's, it's not a vessel that carries ambassadors all the time. It's a vessel that's always out in the middle of nowhere or on the edge um, of the yeah. galaxy. And what a great place to put an operative than to find mm -hmm. out new things. You that's know what I mean? A really Especially a science point. officer. And yeah. it, it's just... So, okay, you're not going to like this, Amy. But <laughs> <laughs> as for Wesley, someone... They recruit Wesley. No. No. <laughs> No, I can't stand that kid. <laughs> I know. Um, if it meant him, dis uh, if it meant his uh, demise, then yes. Um, <laughs> but I really think that Troy and actually Data would actually be perfect operatives. Oh. Oh, you think they would be? Operatives? Oh, absolutely. Troy's got the wool pulled over uh, Picard and also Riker. <laughs> I mean, because she's the confidant of the of the captain. That's true. So. Yeah, and then on top of that, she's the love interest of Riker, so he's yeah. gonna he's not gonna wait. see that and all that kind of stuff. Wait, Interesting. Wait a minute, though. If 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 we pull it back to to what might have been possible in in TNG, I think it would have been that there would be an operative on board who's not one of the main characters, and they find out and they have to deal with it. I well, think. but I mean, uh, having well, no, and the reason why I say Troy is because she can she could detect anyone that lies. Yeah, you know what that's I mean. Good, and then. Data uh, can be could have like a secret uh, directive in his brain, and you know, I mean, I, we've seen him so many times, you know, get away with stuff that you and know, take eventually, over the enterprise. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. So like, okay. it's like, I mean, of all people, yeah. those would uh, those would be the two people yeah. that I absolutely think would be the perfect. I mean, and, and like I said, you know, you don't, you don't have, I mean, Data doesn't need any sleep and he's always going to be downloading the ship's logs and everything. So he would be perfect. Oh man, Richard, See, you bring up like, so many good I, points. Like I said, this, I've, I've been, I've been talking about this for years. <laughs> so. See, because like, I, I think of it very differently. I think if it was introduced in TNG, it would have been the kind of thing where, you find out there's some kind of operative. They're trying to recruit someone for a mission and they kind of, the crew of the Enterprise D, not the crew, but some of the senior officers kind of find out what's what's going on and they're trying to maneuver around this to make sure that they're not doing anything because of this operative that really they feel goes over the line. 
and that something happens so that they think that they've flushed this out or gotten the person off the ship or looks like the person died or whatever. But then it would appear again later in, in DS9. That's kind of how I would see it, almost as like a one-shot kind of thing that gets picked up later. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's how they would have handled it at the time. Now, if TNG were made now, I think it would be different. But I'm just thinking at the time, it would be like a one-shot kind of thing that maybe they feel like they've dealt with, but then gets picked up later. They feel like they can't do anything about because they have people protecting them at Starfleet Command. Uh, and then it gets picked up later in DS9. That, that's kind of what I was thinking, but it's interesting. You guys were thinking about it very differently. Well, I mean, if we're in what-if scenarios, like if it's going to be introduced yeah. in TNG, that doesn't mean, you know, that we need one episode and then DS9 is going to pick it up. Like, No, yeah. that, that's just my thought of right. how they might do it, but it, it could appear multiple times or it could be different you, or you could there could be a twist where you find out troy has been working for section 31 all along you know like, that only makes I mean, her could, more badass i'm sorry well but she, <laughs> and she wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to detect her because she's she knows when someone's lying or has some kind of aggressive behavior i mean besides actual you know behavior yeah. you know physical behavior mm-hmm. i mean she's the she, she for sure would be the brains of the operation and then because she's got the captain's ear and also the first officer's ear. And then I, I personally think data would be the operative, uh, you know, changing things or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, manipulating yeah. the ship's computers and right. Yeah. Taking orders from H- Troy. There you go. Downloads. That's and- there you go. I'm going to brand that. We're going to, we're going to do a novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was thinking this actually sounds like a mirror universe enterprise. It sounds like the novel dark mirror where you get to see the, the mirror enterprise D, but. Wow, that's really Agent interesting that you Troy. guys are taking it that <laughs> Well, that and far. I was thinking the, uh, oh, oh, yeah, the comics. Oh, with her and uh, the, yeah, the Inquisitor. Yeah, the, like, whatever that's the what yeah. broken and Troy all that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Richard, I really like that saying that Troy, because I bet she would have a lot of pull at Section 31 because of her uh, capabilities there. Yeah. You would have to have wear like a tinfoil hat so she wouldn't, so you wouldn't have to, you know, you know what I mean? Like you'll know, block all her power, her empathetic powers, and and oh, you know, that's so I don't funny. know if that would work, but <laughs> no, tinfoil would not work. But I that, mean, but. you know what I mean? I mean, something yeah. like that. I mean, like, but like, so I mean, yeah. I, I would assume that someone hmm. like that, something like that, would exist anyway because you know you have telepaths, obviously. Yes. Um, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. You can't be probed. Hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so a couple of different ways of, of thinking about it. Do, do we have any... Th- oh, go ahead. A- and based on that uh, last episode, she can wipe minds. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, because of the lost episodes where she has that, <laughs> they're threatening that ability. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, get, I, I heard it. I'm sorry. I, I just edited it, so I, I'm refreshed on the conversation. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I forgot. I, sorry, Amy. I'm, I'm remembering now. It's okay. <laughs> As Richard wow. sees my blank stare, what are you talking about? Uh, no, no, yeah, because I was like, was wait a second. That was so last week. You guys. It was <laughs> last week, yeah. I remember it now, yeah. yeah. Wow, so, I mean, that's that's really interesting. I, I mean, listeners, definitely drop us a comment about what you think Section 31 might have been like if it was introduced in The Next Generation. There is a second part to this conversation, though, which looks at a different what if, which is, okay, let's say that we recognize that Deep Space Nine introduced Section 31, 
but are the, but we know that it's been around for a couple hundred years. So are there any hints that we can find from things that we actually saw in TNG where we might be able to attribute that to Section 31, even though, of course, they weren't actually mentioned in, in the episodes? So I think there's, like, as I was looking through it, I think there's a number of possibilities, but I, I picked three examples, which I think we might be most likely to see the connection. Um, but there, the, I think then we'll have a little section where we'll talk about other possibilities. So... The first one I think that I wanted to highlight is actually Face of the Enemy, which is the episode where Troy effectively is undercover as a Tal Shiar um, operative on a ship, and she's kidnapped and surgically altered. And this one registered for me because it's not explained how she's kidnapped, how she comes to be surgically altered aboard the ship. I think there's kind of this assumption like, oh, the people in the you know Romulan underground that want to you know get defectors out put all this together but i'm thinking that something like section 31 would help them for the goal of you know having these romulan defectors transported to the federation which might be a blow against romulus and all of that because the methods seem kind of extreme to kidnap troy and surgically alter her without her consent it sounds like the kind of thing that, that section 31 might do. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. Okay, this is totally my new headcanon. It absolutely <laughs> makes this episode even better. It connects everything because you're right. Like when you're saying like we, Troy wakes up and she is surgically altered. She didn't know how that yeah. happened. Like, you know, and yeah. she goes through with her and mission and the mission is to bring these defectors into the yeah. Federation. Like, who else would do that? Section 31. That is absolutely, yeah. this is now a Section 31 episode. Because yeah. I think Section 31 would have some sort of access or something to make it so that it would be easier to kidnap her or maybe like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not even explained in the episode. Like, is she at a conference? Was she taken off the ship or what? Like, we don't really know. See, but, but this, it, yeah, th this goes to my point that Picard and Riker know. Oh, yeah, they don't quite uh, question it, do no, I mean, in, yeah. in a way, they don't really ask for an explanation of how it happened. They just get her back, and they're like, oh, glad you're back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. What do you think about Face of the Enemy uh, being kind of put into motion by Section 31? Well, um, as we... I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, as we heard in DS9 that uh, they don't fully recognize Section 31, but they know it exists. Um, but like, right? No, I'm saying this is section no, 31. No, I taking know, it I know, I know. Themselves. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing reference. Okay. <laughs> but like, um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, maybe they didn't know um, what exactly they were gonna do. I mean, I'm assuming that military or Starfleet intelligence would be like the section 31 before they actually come at, came out with a name. I'm sure that's, a, that's, that's the kind of idea that they're, they're talking about, but yeah, I could see that, that, um, section 31, um, ultimately, re I guess you could say forced recruited, mandatory recruited. Then again, she is a Starfleet yeah. officer for the better good of the Federation. So, um, I guess that's part of her duties as well. 
Um, so. It's not, though, if Section 31 is just like this autonomous, accountable to no one kind of organization. I don't think they asked permission. They just did it because they thought it would be for the best. Well, that's a whole nother debate on whether <laughs> we, you know, Starfleet knows about it. Are they working for them? Are they completely autonomous? Yeah, is. That's not crystal clear in well, any series, so, I don't think. It, well, I mean... Yeah, you could see it a couple of different ways right. because, you know, in in DS9, in Inquisition, Sloan basically says that they've been operating independently for a couple of centuries or implies heavily implies that. But when Cisco goes to find out, like, oh, from command, they're, they don't say anything to confirm or deny the existence. So is it like, are they aware of it and they're just looking the other way or do they actually have some control? It is somewhat unclear, yeah, I think. It's yeah, it's debatable. Yeah, interesting. But I mean, do you guys, is it like thumbs up like new head canon is a section 31 is working behind the scenes yep. for this for episode? this episode completely? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, cool. and because it has a great <laughs> purpose, you know? Yeah. Although I, I don't know if it's really followed up later, like how it helped, but well, of I mean, course at the it's time not, it but... seems like it helped. <laughs> Well, they were getting these defectors, defectors back. Really, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. there's. I don't think there was really a political. Well, and well, there they was were a, high up in leader, the Romulan there? government. You know, they were. Yeah, there was yeah. a political. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it would be an advantage to the Federation to, um, to acquire acquire these defectors and protect them, basically. Yeah. And then yeah. on top of that, find out about, in a sense, their enemy. You know. Exactly. I mean, yeah. What, yeah, and and maybe yeah. weaken them by taking away these people or making them more paranoid or it looks really bad for the Romulans if this happens. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So, the second example, this was suggested by Stefan is the Pegasus. Now, that's the episode where we see Admiral Pressman come to the Enterprise. Uh, we find out that he was Will Riker's commanding officer previously on a ship called the Pegasus, where they had this kind of secret experiment going for a phased cloaking device, which is illegal under the the treaty with, with the Romulans. Um, and, and I rewatched the episode recently, and I think it might, might, might make sense. I mean, officially, when he comes aboard the ship, they, he's part of Starfleet intelligence, but it does seem like he's doing things well. And I think even they say the the head of Starfleet intelligence is really like keeping their eye on this. So I don't know. I mean, you could I, maybe talk about it either way, but it, it seemed like it could be something that section 31 was pushing in the background as this would be an advantage that would really change things in the Federation's favor. And you, even if it breaks the treaty. So uh, what do you guys think about this one? Yeah, I don't know about the Pegasus only because I mean, you think he's just like a, a rogue admiral or the Starfleet intelligence has gone a bit rogue to try to push this even though it breaks the treaty? Yes and no, because there are advantages to doing it and then there are uh, disadvantages. I mean, obviously the disadvantage would be actually breaking the treaty and going to war and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. what how I see it is that, so military, t uh, in order to, I guess... <sighs> I mean, okay, obviously there are dark projects all over the place, I'm sure, uh, even within our own government and even within several governments around the world. But, like, in order to know your enemy, you got to be like your enemy. 
And that includes mm. breaking treaties without them knowing or getting caught. And it's it's simple survival instincts among governments and even people. I mean, it's the same thing. That's how I see the Pegasus is, is that it was actually Starfleet Intelligence trying to understand the cloaking device. I'm sure they knew about it, but they also... but. Let's just say they do go to war for whatever reason. They need something in order to retrofit every single ship to have a, have a decisive advantage over the cloaking device. Because I'm sure I wouldn't doubt it if um, there was a cl- there's a clause in the um, in the treaty that states that the cloaking device has the same. But I wouldn't doubt it if um, the Tal Shihar actually. We're, we're actually thinking about doing the same thing or even making a, a undetectable cloaking device. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, that's I how I see it. That it's, yeah. I don't think it's Section 31 because Section 31 is intelligence, not technology. Oh, acquiring technology. I well, disagree I, I, with I, I, that. No, I, I, hold on. Yeah, I, but acquiring, yeah. te- uh, acquiring technology, they're not, they're not in the business to make technology. I don't know about that though, because even in in DS Nine, um, I think it's clear they have some sort of transporter technology actually that is beyond anything that people elsewhere in the Federation have. But that doesn't mean they didn't to... acquire the, uh, acquire it versus inventing yeah, it. I'm not, that's it, that's what I'm saying. It's unclear, but it's also unclear how they acqu- may have acquired this this phasing cloak. But go ahead, <laughs> Amy. So. The Pegasus, I'm sort of on the fence, and I get totally Mm. your points, Richard. Um, But the reason why I sort of lean that, yes, it might be Section 31 is because of this futuristic technology and that Section 31 has always wanted to know more about. And I'm throwing in a little discovery, and I know we're not going to talk a lot about it, but that's all right. uh, In Saints of Imperfection, uh, when the ship and they're trying to rescue Tilly and everyone and uh, Tyler taps his comm badge to right. talk to the Section 31. And then Pike says, what the hell kind of communicator is that? You know, I mean, so they're yeah. incredibly advanced. I mean, obviously the ship sort of decloaks and stuff. So yeah. I lean <laughs> towards that. Yes, Section 31, I totally agree, is all about intelligence. But in order to achieve that goal of getting intelligence is going to have the most updated and try and create the most futuristic type of technology possible. So I like that this Pegasus uh, episode works to that futuristic cloaking, you know, because it's like this phasing cloak and yeah, not being detected. So I tend to sort of go that way. But then I think, okay, Pressman, when he was running those experiments, wasn't an admiral at the time. He was just a captain. So there had to have been some kind of operatives that made, you know, helped him drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, sort of turned him. So if I were to believe that the Pegasus is a Section 31, then I am also going to believe that Pressman himself is working for Section 31. Turned him? I don't. I don't well, think I mean, he, he was be turned because he's a be metal chaser at some point. But he's a metal chaser. He's he's it, recruiting wouldn't have been yeah. wouldn't have been that 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 hard to do for someone that's a metal chaser. Do you know what I mean by metal chaser? Mm-hmm. You mean someone that's just just for, ambitious and looking to to move up and gain acclaim and stuff? I don't know about ambitious, but um, <laughs> for Tell someone me. someone that uh, 
Like once a gold star. Like George star? Patton. Like George Patton. George uh, Gerald Patton was a, was a metal chaser. All he wanted to do was basically ante up and uh, basically uh, uh, be the better uh, be the better like general and and all that kind of stuff. you know someone that someone that um I, I don't want to say it like that because that they're sounds... more interested in impressing other people than actually like accomplishing the goals or I don't know about impressing people <laughs> either because it's okay. not it's not about pressing people because metal chasers they're all out for the glory there you go okay they're all, all out right. for glory. Versus, well, yeah, um, but I mean, video. you have to assume that everyone, you know, pressman joined Starfleet, and then at some time, he had to go over to Section Thirty One. So that's what I mean when turn. I mean not turn. I mean he obviously has the personality traits that Section Thirty One is identified with him, and says, "All right," like they did with Tyler, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think it could go either way because it definitely could be something where it's just Starfleet intelligence. Then they're just <laughs> really doing things and don't mind going against the treaty and figure they'll just ask for forgiveness later. Or it could be, you know, Section 31 in, in the background. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a bit on the fence about it as well. I have a question to you. Like if it were yeah. section 31, like why would it have taken him so long to, you know, retrieve that well, device? Th- they weren't able to I Locate think detect it? it or find it for that many years, yeah. Okay. They got yeah. some I I took it that they got some new information about it. Okay. And that it was out there and they have to do something about it. But that's the iffy part for me that it's like uh, section 31 would be a little more responsible in letting something get out of control and then just say, oh, shucks, we lost it. Hope we find it later. No, but then it then it's oh, oh, I well, I I don't know. For whatever reason, it just (laughs) drifted off and they weren't haven't been able to locate it for a long time because it's embedded in this asteroid. So right. That's that's what I took it as, but so were we all kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe not on this one for the Pegasus? I think so. Yeah, okay. And Richard's saying a firm no. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Amy and I are like, eh, maybe. So, not, okay, not quite as positive on it as Face of the Enemy. So there is a third example, uh, and the third example is Richard's favorite. No, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, <clears throat> the movie that not Richard an example, a hint. A hint of Section 31. A hint? Because it's yeah, not I, Section 31. Well, right. Okay. It's not acknowledged, but it is. Okay. I mean, an example what is that? Of something I don't, that I don't think I've ever heard it. Uh, what is that? Insert. I don't think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> yes, it is a movie that does exist. And yes, we are going to talk about it for a little bit. But we're only going to talk about, okay, we'll talk about part of Insurrection. So, you know, in Insurrection, there's this plan to secretly relocate the Baku. There's this cloaked hollow ship. They need to gather these special particles. It's to aid the Sonan, I think, have them be allies. I think it's implied allies in a Dominion war, but also that there could be this really great technology to prolong lifespans, advanced medical science in, in the Federation. Um and Admiral Doherty that is doing this is a really <laughs> kind of shady character that's that's pushing things. It seems like he has some kind of support from Starfleet Command, but he's maybe implementing it in a way that is against what, what they're thinking. And just so you know, the reason that I 
got this as an idea is because it's kind of acknowledged in one of the Section 31 novels. So, um, I, I, But I'm curious what you guys think if Section 31 would somehow be involved with what's going on with the plan with the Sona and the Baku. Hmm. Amy? I think not. I can see why it's put there. I like the, you know, the cloaked hollow ship, like that's pretty darn awesome. And that sort of goes with that technology. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know about gathering the particles and I don't think that the Sona and the Baku are big enough. I mean, maybe that's just my impression that I got from it, that there would be a political advantage to dipping their fingers in it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's specifically said, but I think it's implied that they want to get the Sona as as allies uh, in the Dominion War, that they can really use whatever allies that they can get. And there's also, and in order to make them happy, they have to do this thing that'll help to prolong their lifespan. And as a side benefit, there may be big advantages for Federation medical science. So I see it as like Section 31 would be interested in the political advantage and also the kind of technological or or medical advantage, and they're willing to relocate, a forced relocation of these people in order to do that, which sounds like something that they that they might do like, Oh, you're just moving, you know, 600 people. What's the big deal. There's these huge advantages on the other end of it. It, it, to me, it sounds like something that they would do, but what do you think, Richard? Oh, I guess, (laughs) I guess I could talk about this. Um, (laughs) um, so no, I don't think it, I don't think it's to do with, uh, section 31 only because, like just like just like you said, you know, um, they uh, for the war effort, um, they need as many allies as they can, troops on the ground, and everything. So um, I personally believe that the only reason why uh, Admiral Dowry was actually going along with it was to satisfy um, uh, the Sona. I mean, basically, I mean, uh, in yep. to. In in order to in order to keep I mean yeah okay there there's obviously a, there's a benefit and that's probably the only reason why he did do it, um, but like as it I mean just like just like any other admiral should be uh, should be doing especially during the time of war they should be doing anything and everything they can to win the war and if that means doing some bad stuff like he did then. I guess I guess that's okay, especially if you're in a desperate situation where you have, where you have your back against the wall. Wait, I, I don't know if it was okay for you when we talked about insurrection. You were happy when he died. <laughs> I, no, I was. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um. So, I, I don't know. I I, I think that it, that it makes a certain amount of sense and. I love the Star Trek novels, and if it's acknowledged there, for me, it works. But <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that, that thinks, you know, insurrection had something to do with the Section 31 operation. Are you guys both saying no? Or go ahead, Amy. No, I was trying to say that I'm not quite <laughs> sure. I'm sort of on sure. the fence with this one. I My reasoning was that the Sonam Baku, I didn't see were big enough that Section 31 would really even care. 
However, mm. with that technology of the cloaked hollow ship, I think that that's where they would be inclined to get involved. I just don't see 600 people that Section 31 would be that involved. But, and as far as Dougherty goes, I don't, he then you're saying was or is involved with Section 31 and sort of running it from his position. Yeah, according to one of the novels, yeah. he is an agent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see which, that part of it. Uh, you know, maybe it's just a small fish to fry. You know, maybe that's what this is about. And I, I, I could go along with that. So it sounds like of the three examples, Face of the Enemy is a yes. <laughs> the Pegasus is a either not sure or no an insurrection i say yes and you guys say not sure or no so i think that's interesting because as i was writing this out i was like oh yeah these three examples but there's only one that we seem to be more sure of listeners i'm kind of interested to see what you think of those three but there's a little bit more to the discussion because i just picked the three i thought might be most likely but i'm curious to see what examples that you guys might have of other episodes or movies for TNG where we might see something that could be section 31. And I think Amy, you do have one. I do have one. Um, and again, because I did just recently watch inquisition, like that was fresh on my brain and I got to thinking about the drumhead and what about Admiral Mm. Nora Satie? Like she seems so similar to DS9 Sloan, like trying to find who's leaking information. Like it's the same thing, you know, Admiral Satie is like, who's revealing and we've got to find the mole and the interviews, the secret interviews and these, you know, fake interrogations and like all of this doubt that we get with the drumhead is sort of the same feeling that I had with uh, Inquisition that I'm sort of lumping Mm -hmm. those together. Do you see sort of where I'm coming from? Hmm. Uh, what do you think, Richard? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's sort of the same flavor that I got when yeah. watching Inquisition DS9. Are you saying like uh, she's a part of it or not a part of it? I'm saying that she's like Sloane. Oh. That, that, oh. Oh, so, the, so that her... Her maybe methods or personality or like that. I I don't know though because uh, Sloane I think tends to restrict who he's interacting with, and she's doing something where she's interviewing people like all over the ship. Like I, I thought about the drumhead a little bit when I was making my my list, but oh, good. I think that she's just kind of gotten a little. Oh yeah, paranoid. she's crazy. We all know and that. But I was just trying I don't to. Think- Say, you know, that maybe a hint of Section 31 could be there. (laughs) A hint. (laughs) A hint. I don't know. I mean, maybe we could say it's the kind of thing that she's done work for them before and she is just like misapplying some of the methods or just like not thinking things through and is making this big deal on this ship when when she shouldn't and trying to find conspiracies around every corner. Yeah. So, so, uh, okay, so to piggyback off of what you said, Amy, so... I could see her, but not as 
an actual operative, more like someone who goes after other people, like a like a witch hunt or something like that, to mm-hmm. to take the trail or the scent off whoever she's working with or working for or, or mm-hmm. whatever that whatever it is, or, or maybe they're manipulating her to do these things. To exactly, take... I could see her yeah. doing that because I mean, as we saw in the drumhead, she's very emotional, especially when you attack her father. Right. Um. As we saw, or well, maybe not even attack. Just hint towards her father, and whether that's you know she wants she's trying to prove something or or whatever, yeah. but it doesn't matter. But like, I could see her being that person that's a part of Section Thirty One that is just there to, uh, I just hey look over here when yeah. it's a over red here. herring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, like I, I, thank you. I think that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I, thank you. I, yeah. I think it's really interesting because actually fairly quickly in the episode, you almost forget about what kicks the whole thing off in the first place, which is, what is it? There's this Klingon that's passing this information and it's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll deal with him and send him over there. But who knows like what he's doing, what his role is. And quickly all of the attention and focus of the crew is on kind of this witch hunt that's going on. Right. So yeah, I think there may be something there. Yes, see, that, Richard, that, see, you yeah. totally, again, I, <laughs> you definitely have thought about this a lot. I think, <laughs> yes, that Section 31 is feeding her misinformation so that she, in her kookiness, goes and, you know, tries the distraction while Section 31 yeah. sub- covertly gets their real that's information. I like it. Hmm. They're feeding her <laughs> misinformation. I could totally see that. Wow, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that angle. Well, I, I, I honestly, I don't, I, I didn't think about Admiral Sotir like that, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, but it, but it makes sense. But it works, uh, you know. Now. Yeah, it does. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, did you have any others, Amy? No. Well, and I briefly thought about reunification and sort of that political importance of bringing. You know the two Vulcans and the uh, oh, and the, Romulan the Romulans together, yeah. but I couldn't make it work in my head, so I threw it out the out the window. See, now I could see reunification as in Section Thirty One against that. Um, you know, because obviously we need the Vulcans, and to merge the two, um, merge the two species together again. Would actually be the would be against uh, Federation interests. <laughs> Wait, I have a really crazy idea. You know how Sela is always failing in these plots. Yeah. Maybe she, <laughs> maybe she's working for for Section Thirty One on the Romulan side to kind of direct all of this energy to these things and just fails like miserably and on purpose yeah (laughs) on purpose i i I don't know i mean it would it would serve yeah it would it would serve them in their best interest to not do that yeah Uh, yeah but but i mean like as i was rewatching the the section 31 episodes there is a like a a precedent because you find out in the episode inner arm in silent legus that there is this high up romulan who's like the head of the tall shiar who is a section 31 agent so Okay, yeah. this is totally putting everything <laughs> together because another one that I wanted to put into Section 31 was uh, yesterday's Enterprise so that we get Sela. And I'm like, I, there's something with Sela there, but I couldn't make it work. And now you guys are just doing all the work for me. I am loving this discussion. Good job. <laughs> See, now I don't know about that. I don't know how 
Section 31 would actually know to do that. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, I, I don't know. think it's they would know funny, anything though. about that, but they but they would find out at some point about Sela and her history and recruit her. <laughs> you know, I could see. Yeah, I mean, I could see like. I don't think Section oh, 31 man. created Sela because of like the stuff that happens in yesterday's <laughs> I, Enterprise. I want to be a part of that organization. If they could look into the future and do that, I would love to be a part of that organization. Like, okay, guys, <laughs> wait a minute. It may be really complicated, but hear me out. So there'll be this alternate timeline, and this and this and this will happen, and then she'll go back and seal. No, that that's terrible I because know. I don't want to think about the implications of forcing all that. We are getting stuff. way out but, there. <laughs> but let's say you know they fi- they didn't create Sela, but they find her later and recruit her. Okay, you know? knowing that she's part human, and yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. totally see that. Yeah, I, well, yeah, half human. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so wow, we're coming up with some interesting ones. Richard, do you have any ones that where you would think we might be able to find some hint of Section Thirty One in episodes or movies? Not that I could think of off, off the top of my head. Okay. No, uh, uh-uh. yeah. I mean, like for for the most part, TNG, I don't think is is very much going to provide for that because I don't think there's a lot of episodes where you're like. That thing going on over there, there might have been some, you know, secret op stuff going on over there. Like, I, I thought a little bit about, I don't know why I thought about it, um, but I thought about something like like Ensign Rowe, where you have this admiral that's kind of like duped into doing these things to get rid of, of a problem that the Cardassians have, and that maybe he was being manipulated by Section 31. But I kind of threw that out. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. So he was just being manipulated, I think, by the Cardassians. But, but, but sometimes in the dealings with the Cardassians and the Maquis, I think like is there some special interest Section Thirty One would have? But I don't know. See, now I could see that working actually. Now you got me thinking about that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I could see, I could totally see all of the Maquis episodes uh, that were manipulated by uh, by the, well, well by Section 31, by, whether it be in interest of maybe they foresee the Dominion War in the in the future and uh, they know that something's like, like they already know about that, the Dominion. You're talking about the Maquis in, um, in No, TNG? no, no, I know that, but I'm saying like in the grand scheme of the whole entire universe. So they, they in TNG. Right. As well, I mean, obviously, we know why the Maquis to introduce, you know, basically yeah. DS Nine and Cardassian. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But I'm just saying, like, if let's just say they do have, you got me thinking about the Maquis in the grand scheme of things. I mean, like, uh-huh. I mean, what a great way to basically, um, I-, I guess, gather and rally allies. I guess you could say, like, you know. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but like the Maquis would be like the pawns that you would have to sacrifice in order to gather up those, uh, gather up those allies, and have, uh, I guess, a better chance to win the war. Because I would not doubt it if they, uh, if they um, were thinking far into the future uh, for, um, you know, like who's gonna, what's gonna be the next war? It's obviously gonna happen, but when, you know, and. And how and all that kind of stuff, sort so uh, sort of yeah. thing. I'm sure the Borg invasion was was the was the prominent yeah. thing on on everyone on the brass's uh, yeah. head and everything. But like, mm-hmm. what a great what a great way to gather up allies is to use something like a border war to 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 rile up people. So 
that's oh that's that's quite interesting because actually that they do talk about the maquis a little bit in a voyager section 31 novel but they actually have an operative uh that's uh, on voyager for their mission to kind of look into the maquis and they're going to be there to kind of see what's going on and report back and they get stuck in the delta quadrant of course but but uh i, I it, it is interesting because actually in that novel they're saying that section 31 doesn't like the maquis and they want to keep tabs on it and try to tamp it down but but you're saying it could be useful to stir things up in some way huh. well I yeah like i mean way. obviously the uh the opposing force on the other side will be the obsidian order so i mean maybe to uh to use the um the maquis as in as like for intelligent uh, intelligence gathering or possibly even oh. poke and prod their defenses and see what they because i mean obviously you're going to see some of the best if you bring if you bring out or what i mean by the best like ships up to date stuff see how mm-hmm. fast they're progressing and all that kind of stuff yeah. and, and the best way to do is you know poke it with a stick yeah you know what i i, I could actually see that because you see you know the maquis um, introduced after DS9 starts. And maybe it's the kind of thing like the Bajoran wormhole is discovered and, you know, it's near Cardassian space and Section 31 is thinking ahead like, okay, maybe we'll have something in the future against the Cardassians and we need to gather more intelligence or find out more. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Very interesting. Hadn't thought about any of that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, that, that, but that I think that's what's great about a discussion like this when you get into the what ifs because there's a lot of like connections you can make. Yeah. So, do we have any other examples or other things you wanted to talk about? I don't know. Do you have another episode that we could possibly twist into our uh, little into our little <laughs> well, web? You know, you had you had stepped away for a minute, and we were talking about Thomas Riker and second chances, maybe as being a good person to to uh, recruit for Section Thirty One. Oh, I don't know. absolutely! <laughs> yes, Thomas would be perfect. I mean, yeah. no one could tell. I mean, the only people that could really tell. Well, no, I don't even. No, I don't think. Um... One has Troy? the full beard, the other can pull off. But part I'm saying, of his like, beard. if they both if they both were the shave and everything, would yeah, would yeah. you know who's who? You know what I mean? I think it would be hard to find out. Yeah. I mean, even Troy probably. I don't know if she would be able to find that, figure that out, because I mean, they both have a love interest towards <laughs> her, so maybe she's love drunk and and she's the mistress of Section Thirty One, and she. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, if she's in very on Section Thirty One, as you say, then she would know the difference. Yeah, but they both love her. No, but I'm saying if she's in, if she is, <laughs> oh. you know, head honcho of Section Thirty One, she's going to be able to tell them apart because you know. Have, have we promoted Troy to being the head of Section? 31? Yeah, that's basically. Okay, but All you're right. right. If she. Richard, to your point, if she didn't know, because uh, I just read Imzadi 2, and for mm-hmm. a time, she could not distinguish between the two, Thomas and, and Will. But she figured it out. That's got to be confusing. Yeah. <laughs> really confusing. Creates all kinds of problems. But but yeah, it's um, actually... So for Thomas Riker, he doesn't become part of Section 31 in the novels, but he does become part of a different, like, black ops part of Starfleet. So the He's on sense. his way. <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. slippery slope. 
but he doesn't right. have the charisma uh, for uh, for that kind of uh, um, kind of behavior or uh, personality. He's well, damaged goods. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So now, section thirty-one. Picard's aware of it. Troy is part of it. Sela's part of it. Thomas Riker's part of it. Wow, they have a lot more into And then you have Data done. wiping all the records. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <sighs> yeah, maybe they're all part of, you know, Section 31 for the whole series and we didn't know it. We're just getting a certain point of view. <laughs> yeah, we're just getting the pretty oh picture that Section 31 You're welcome, likes listeners. We just, we just ruined all of TNA for you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, anyway, I, it's, I wouldn't doubt yeah. if we could actually tie a good majority of those and just uh, j- just put it, bring it some, under the umbrella of, you know, yeah. Section Thirty One. I wouldn't doubt some, it. Some weird stuff happens in TNG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's let's wrap up a bit, Richard. Your final thoughts on what we've talked about? Well, um, I absolutely loved um, I love this conversation. I really do. Like <laughs> I said, I have been thinking about this for a long time, and it's just. The, I guess I don't want to say romanticize. I, I guess I, I guess I have. I guess I've romanticized the idea of Section Thirty One in my head so many times. Oh. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> I, I don't. Well, maybe that's not the correct. Maybe that's not the correct word. But regardless, regardless, it's just a subject that I've always. You're fascinated by them. Yeah, I guess. Ro- yeah, fascinated. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, just let's just say fascinated plus. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, but like. I mean, I've always, I've always been interested in these kind of stories. I mean, like, uh, it, it, it's just, it's very, it's, it's very, it's very exciting. It's very suspenseful, and you know, it's just, you know, just like I've said before, in a utopia, and to me, a utopia without any kind of drama whatsoever is a very boring place. To me, it is. But like at the same time, it's like. It, it, the, all these stories create so much content and so and basically takes a hammer to the to the utopian ice wall and basically tries to break it down and I that's part, that's probably the reason why uh, why I really love section 31 that it it doesn't intentionally try to break it down but it it chips at it a, a little bit at a time and it's it creates wonderful stories and I absolutely love it. I, I mean, it's just something. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a gummer conspiracy kind of person. That uh, really, no, no, I, no, no. Let me retract yeah. that. I'm not a government conspiracy person. I just like reading about them. Reading about it, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I don't wear a tinfoil hat. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. a great conversation. Love it. Oh, excellent. Well, and as listeners might guess, you're excited about the Section 31 series that's coming up, right? Yes, I am. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> awesome. So, Amy, your final thoughts? Yeah, this definitely uh, down a rabbit hole we go with. We're going to tie in every episode of TNG to Section 31. <laughs> <gasps> a new series. Oh. <laughs> Section 31, the TNG years. <laughs> But no, I I really like that we got to, you know, delve into, you know, specifically the three episodes that we talked about, Face of the Enemy, the Pegasus and Insurrection, and, you know, sort of put our two cents on that. I'm totally on board with Face of the Enemy, hook, line, and sinker. That's now what it is uh, to me. Um, and then, yeah, just the... 
Is Section 31 needed? Yes, no, maybe so. You know, and what would it look like in TNG? It is so contrasting to the Gene Roddenberry of no conflict and stuff like that and the utopia that I, for one, really love about TNG. So it's been interesting to discuss discuss it today. Yeah, I mean, and for my f- final thoughts, as I said toward the beginning, I've always been really interested in Section 31 and kind of the tension that it, that it provides. I mean, I think in TNG, there is plenty of conflict, but it's conflict with people outside of the ship or if someone's taken over by an alien or whatever. But that kind of internal conflict within the Federation, you don't see as much. So I think that is interesting because I think it is realistic that there would be a tension between what different parts of the of the kind of federation government or affiliated organizations would be trying to to do. I mean that's kind of what's happening in in DS9 like there are these people in Starfleet that are against some of what Section 31's doing. And like for me I I find it really interesting because I think about whether it's necessary or not. I certainly I think don't like some of the the methods that are used and I'd probably tend to be more on Bashir's side of things but I mean for the storytelling potential I think it's great and to think about what was there in TNG I mean and also like if we're accepting that face of the enemy was put into motion by section 31 then they put into motion something that most fans think is a great episode (laughs) and leads to a lot of great things for the Troy character so Hey, maybe we have Section 31 to thank for that. But anyway, I think it's been interesting because I like talking about these what-ifs and finding new angles to to look at these things. So, yeah, I think it's been a really good discussion today, and I'm glad that we had it. And listeners, you know, tell us who you think was in Section 31 in TNG or what episodes you think uh, might have had hints of them or what it would have been like if it was introduced in TNG. We'd be really interested to hear what you think. Okay, so let's go into a preview of next week's episode. So, next week we'll be starting a new series, and this is on deleted scenes in The Next Generation. So, I think when we were talking about the favorite character moments for Nemesis, we brought in some of the deleted scenes, and that kind of, I think, got us interested to look at at deleted scenes um, within The Next Generation. Now, I think we're going to have to take a look and see how many are out there for the different seasons and the movies and see how to organize it it may not be one episode you know per season if there's not enough but um, again just getting into some deleted scenes some additional content to look at so um, I'm excited about that what do you guys think I like deleted scenes <laughs> yep me too it it's interesting to sort of figure out why they were cut you know I mean obviously we yeah. were much more time conscious back in the day but, you know, interesting to see why they were cut and what they add to the story. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to try to find out what I can about the different ones and if there's some background or whatever. So, But anyway, I think it'll be a fun conversation. I just realized that a good majority of those deleted scenes were of Wesley. <sighs> you've, done a, you've, 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 you've done a survey of this? No, a lot kidding. of them have Wesley. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, we're just going to talk about insurrection deleted scenes for 11 episodes. <laughs> oh, kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been so much fun torturing Richard about insurrection again, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. 
You're right. There's there's definitely something that we need to look at with death. And although it's very sad, but like you're saying, Richard, like the opposite of enjoy the time that you have while you're alive with them. And that's what, and again, as you said, Richard, like if you don't forget them, they really will still be a part of you in your life and their influence is going to be just as real, you know, from your memory of them. Literary Treks. So all of that's coming to, and then you get all good things going through your brain of, you know, oh yes, Worf and Troy, and I've always loved them together. And then when I started this reading this book, it brought out this emotion of what? No, this cannot happen. I don't even want to see Deanna with Worf at all. And I was so surprised by that because I've always liked Troy and Worf together. Melodic treks. So somebody that conceivably is into the modern jazz quartet, which is like having some fine wine, sometimes wants a piece of cake and slim and slam, that would be cake. <laughs> and these sort of not really jump blues or R&B, but saxophone players that played modern jazz that were in this bluesier, more soul style. There were people around then like Illinois Jaquette and Arnett Cobb. Jimmy Forrest, Gene Ammons. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. It's the time is not variable, so it's not going to matter if time is the constant there. So when he says on my mark, that means here it is. That's where I need to go. So send me there. Yeah, Mic okay. Drop. I'll buy it, but I still don't believe it. <laughs> Mic drop. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find all our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file anytime you want from our website, or, of course, you could always grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So, Richard, where can people contact you when you're not on assignment with Section 31? Because out of all of us, you are the operative. <laughs> what? <Yes>. Why me? <laughs> oh, I love government conspiracies. You gave, I you gave it away. I do for it. <laughs> Well, when I'm not doing that and wearing my tinfoil hat and everything, um, you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And if you really want to, 
You can follow me on Twitter. My uh, my handle is xransom. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not watching out for bad rules? Well, actually, before we get to that, did you have a question? I do have a question. <laughs> and if you're listening, hashtag still listening. <laughs> <laughs> I it's it's outside of Star Trek and I was just thinking about it because I was watching my favorite show uh, well not my favorite show one of my favorite shows I should say do you guys have a guilty pleasure um, TV show that you guys watch that's outside of Star Trek oh a guilty pleasure show I don't consider <laughs> See, anything a- that I watch guilty okay okay so do you have a show that's that's your favorite outside of Star Trek how about that that you're watching currently. Well, I just finished Grace and Frankie. What it's is on that? Netflix. Okay. Oh my it's gosh, show. it's so funny. It's is that with... about whales? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, yeah, it's not about Star Trek Four. <laughs> it's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. It's hilarious. So I huh, guess that would be my guilty show. pleasure. Huh. There you go, Justin. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know about. You know what? I think probably my guilty pleasure is Friends oh, <laughs> because I love that. actually I didn't watch it when it first came out and I watched it more recently and I know it's not the best but it is I the best. It, it is no nah, I don't know about that. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoy yelling at the screen like Ross and Rachel why are you doing that? But <laughs> we were on but I, a but break. I, I could go on and on for the one liner. <laughs> they did that for way way too long. No it's but, hilarious. It is Joey's hilarious. The- that is hilarious. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Joey is the best part of that show. Joey doesn't share food. Oh my gosh. Okay. Don't get me started. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it tastes like feet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Joey, my favorite line of Joey, put your hands together. Do you not remember that one? <laughs> Would you like a girl I- or do you want a sandwich? Put your hands together. <laughs> Well, I I think one of my favorite things is when he gets on a game show and it's one of those things where you have to give clues to guess the word and he keeps saying like, snow, paper, a ghost. (laughs) It's just hilarious. (laughs) He's so clueless. Oh, Joey, it's, oh, what does Rachel say? It's a good thing you're pretty. (laughs) See, and you know, Chandler was supposed to have that role or whatever. Matthew Perry was supposed to have that role and Joey was supposed to be Chandler. I I don't know if you know that, Amy. I know that. Yeah, that was like in an interview yeah. that they were, wow. that, you know, Matthew Perry the things, was the goofball. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So How about this? The guy who played Bashir auditioned for Cisco. <laughs> that would have been weird. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Alexander Siddig? Yep. yep. He auditioned for Cisco. That but would he's have been too young. Hey, weren't you impressed that I knew the name? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Let's just See, revel I, in the DS9 knowledge coming out of my head right now. I assumed you had all that knowledge. <laughs> oh, okay. Because of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, we're not getting off topic about friends. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently, yes, still, tweeting out my Season 7 rewatch of The Next Generation. I'll finish it eventually, maybe by 2047. Um, <laughs> and you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not working for Starfleet Intelligence? And notice I said Starfleet Intelligence because I think you would work for them 
Richard would work for Section 30. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Wait, wait, wait. If we're going to do that, where would you work? <laughs> where would I work? Let's see. I would be the civilian on Earth because all of that stuff is too dangerous. Oh. <laughs> all right. You'll be I the geologist be... bringing up the seventh or eighth continent or whatever? <laughs> no, I, I would be the person who would be podcasting about Star Trek on Earth. There you go. Because they have Star Trek, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you can find me here on the network. I do a little thing uh, on the edge and postcards <laughs> from the edge, which talks about Star Trek Discovery. I'm also on the Fandom Podcast Network uh, doing Discoville, uh, which talks about Discovery and the Orville. I am on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson, but really my favorite place is the Babel Conference. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this special opportunity to recognize our current operatives. Mm. Operative Norman Lau, Justin Noser, Michael Huter. See, you're you're an operative right there. There you go. There you go. (laughs) And Thomas Appel. (laughs) Thank you secretly for supporting Trek FM (laughs) and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude after I erase your brains. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Today is a good day to die. Welcome to Section 31, Sila. Ah, (laughs) I love it. (laughs)